This is Thomas Rose. The last time you heard my voice, you were listening to my smash hit audiobook, My Spectacular Life, a memoir in the key of storytelling. My publishers have insisted that in order to keep promoting this book, I do a series of interviews with other artists to help recoup their losses, whatever that means. This is the first one of those. I'm joined by a very special guest named Chris Gethard. Please note that if at any point during this interview you hear what sounds like me laughing, that's only because I have the Joker disease. Well, without further ado, here's Chris Gethard. Welcome to my spectacular life. And today we'll be having my spectacular conversation with Chris Gethard. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, you know, uh, all things considered, I'm yes. good. Yes, yeah. as you know, I'm Thomas Rose, famous singer-songwriter. Let me just get my piano in tune before we start this. I have perfect pitch, so I do this uh, with my voice. C, G. Perfect. You nailed that. Yes, and it's CG in honor of my special guest, Chris Gethard. God damn, I just put that together. Are those that your was really favorite? nice, yeah. That's Are really those nice. Your favorite yeah. notes, Chris? I didn't even realize. I, I've always had an affinity to that combo of notes, but I never even understood why until this moment right now. Thank you for that. You've now taught we, me something. <laughs> we have so much in common, you and I. Uh, I recorded one audio book. You've written three books. Yeah. Yeah. The similarities can't end there, can they? I mean, I think that's a profound one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, outside of other similarities, we can keep brainstorming. I, I was born in May. I don't know what month you were born in. Ah, I was born in June, but very similar, very similar sign. Okay. I grew up on the East Coast of the United States. Ah, yes, you are from, I looked this up, West Orange, correct? Yeah, West Orange, New Jersey, yeah. Now, West Orange, I looked this up on FamousBirthdays.com. There are many, many famous people from West Orange, including yourself. Uh, Let me look it up. I have this list here. There is American football player and coach Amos Alonzo Stagg. Yes, Stag Field and Stag School are named for him. Yeah, Stag, starting with the heavy hitters. And then American actress Joan Caulfield. I didn't know that one. So that wasn't your crew coming up as an artist? Amos Stag and Joan Caulfield? No. No? Can't say. Mm. Can't say that they were. But more more power to them. (laughs) Now, you're, you're what I like to call a triple A. You're an author. You're an actor, and based on your work in Space Force, an astronaut. Speak to that. Oh, I thought you were saying AAA as in like so close to the big leagues and <laughs> not quite there. Oh, no. But I'll take not... yours I like. Yours is much more positive. I like how, it. how was it being in space when you filmed up there? Well, uh, how much do you want me to pull back the curtain on this for you? Because well, we I've. Don't... I, I've never acted. I'm more. I'm a singer. I'm a songwriter. I'm yes, an author, yes, I know. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to break your heart, but uh, 
we weren't actually in space. We were on wires and there were green screens and, and they had us kind of flying around and they digitally removed the wires later. It was really fun, really cool to be a part of it. That just broke my heart, Chris. I'm really sorry. Now, let me ask you one more question before oh, we're I just moving on. Many more questions. You said I, I broke your heart and then instantly <laughs> moved on. Look, I okay. don't. I have to rethink my whole relationship. Are you? Is the space landing? Was that fake too? Was that just wires? Uh, there's a popular conspiracy theory that 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 posits just that. There's a lot. Of, there's you know a, a lot of people out there who um who do think this the moon landing was was faked. But you know, science. Every scientist says more. There's actually a video of uh. Buzz Aldrin punching a man in the face for for saying that the the moon landing was fake, and that's a very funny video. I can say mm. that. That watching an old man punch a conspiracy theorist that was very fun. But how do I know that video wasn't just made with wires? Well, now it's just like a whole Russian nesting doll of what's true and what who who. What if we're we're right now talking to each other? What if this whole conversation was scripted or or, or controlled beyond our you know, free will. Now this is an unsolved mystery. Something yeah. you enjoy. I heard they just brought that back on Netflix. Yes, yes, on Netflix. They put it right next to Space Force, the two big tentpole shows. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. It's very exciting for everyone involved. Speaking of conspiracy theories, Chris, mm-hmm. you've got a show called Beautiful Anonymous. I do. I'm not... Now, How does this tie into conspiracy theories? Clearly what you're doing is saying that the group Anonymous, what they do is beautiful, correct? No, well, it's short for beautiful stories from anonymous people because I, I talk to people on the phone and they tell me kind of their life story anonymously. But when they're so. on the phone, are they wearing like a Guy Fox mask? Is that what's going on? Well, they're on the phone, so it's an audio... I can't say that they are. I can't say that they aren't. I would be shocked if, uh, you know, there's been like 250 episodes. I would I would be shocked if any significant percentage of them were wearing Guy Fox masks. We'll just Maybe here or another, there. Uh, another unsolved mystery. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Now, today we're talking about something very special. We're talking about your childhood as an artist. What happened with me was I realized from a young age that I was incredibly gifted at the piano. When did you know that oh, you were a super talent? I don't think that today. I think I'm just a hardworking person who uh, has, mani- has managed to stumble into some success. And, and most of that was rooted in just refusing to give up. But I, do, I don't think I ever felt like a super talent. And mm-hmm. I... Yeah, if anything, I feel like I'm kind of thwarted by some uh, feelings of inadequacy. So mm. I don't well, know that we, I don't know if it sounds like maybe you don't identify with that. Um, I think if I ever had any doubts, I wouldn't have made it as far as I did. Wow. Like, wow. listen, listen to that. You've studied the art of improvisation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For many years. Now, if I had any doubts, I wouldn't be able to improvise a song like this. Beautiful Anonymous is hosted by a guy named Cross. See, that's the kind of thing you can do when you don't have doubts. What do you think? 
Um, that was great. Yeah, that was, I guess, yeah, I guess I should work on my confidence mm -hmm. uh, so I can do that. I'd love to be able to do what you just uh, did. I read your book, Lose Well. Oh, thanks. Thanks you, for checking it out. You talk about Bye Bye Birdie being this big breakthrough. Was that when you first realized you had a lifelong love of the musical theater? Well, it's funny, you know, because uh, you, you read it and yeah, so... When I was in eighth grade, I sort of, uh, I was accidentally, you could say, or unexpectedly cast as, as Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie. That's the first time I ever went on stage. Um, but I mentioned specifically in the, in the chapter you're referencing that, that musical theater was not my thing then and it's never really been my thing. It was just kind of it, it totally fell backwards into it and it, it showed me that I liked being on stage, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a musical theater guy. I've, I'll go to a musical once every three or four years, maybe. Mm, every um, election cycle. Every, yeah, pretty much every election cycle. I, I generally pick my presidential uh, ballot based on a, a Broadway musical and the things I can divine from it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like this Avenue Q, QAnon, that type of stuff. They all tie together. Um, something we have in common again. I've never liked the musical theater myself. Now I'm shocked by that. Mm. Well, here's the problem. They have all the, they, they give you a song book. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, songs aren't for books. Songs are for CDs, vinyls, tapes, almost anything but the written shape or word. Do you, do you, do you understand? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, uh, I appreciate people's ability to to read the song in the songbook and translate it to music, but you like it when they, it just comes out, you're fully formed, I guess. Yeah, Is that I, what you're saying? Most of my songwriting, there's no, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I could read music per se, mm -hmm. per se, but I also don't think that that should disqualify me from, you know, being, being in Bye Bye Birdie myself. I don't so know. you can't, you don't read music? I think that reading music is a foolish term, I would say. Huh. It'd be I like, read bass clef. Mm, no treble. I played, I played cello for a number of years, so I read bass clef. Now that is something we have in common. You play cello? You play an instrument. I did from third grade till 10th grade. Do you have but if you hand me one now, I can still pluck out a tune for you. Is that true? Yeah, if you give me sheet music and a cello, I can passably play with a seventh grade level. I'm not a virtuoso like you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just come to me. I have to kind of gut it out and journeyman it out like every other aspect of my life. But yeah, I can, I can read bass clef. Now that reminds me of another thing you like to do, improvisation. This is a little song I wrote about you playing the cello. Have you ever seen a Jersey man playing cello? He says, hello, mellow yellow. What do you think? I feel like you have a really masterful ability to do things that aren't obvious via doing things that are so obvious. Like they're so hidden in plain, they're so obvious that they're almost hidden in plain sight and therefore they surprise you that that is in fact what you're going with. So kudos to you. It's a compliment. 
Thank you. I don't get many of those. Now, let me ask you something. Now, you were, when did you start pivoting from musical theater, your first love, to your second love of comedy? What was the thing that took you away from your, what you were born to do to what you ended up doing? Well, I would, I, I, I just want to reiterate, I, don't, I do not think I was born to do musical theater. I don't think I've said that. I don't think anybody's really ever said that. Uh, you know, I had a, um, a teacher in high school who, who pulled me aside and said I should take her drama class. And I was real hesitant. Um, but she, she told me that she thought I'd be really good at it. And I did. And, and she made it like mostly improv exercises that semester. And then it became very clear that she did that because she wanted to encourage me. And it was the first time that I think anybody, you know, I would, I would often get sort of like snapped at or shut down by teachers for trying to be funny. And then she was the one who was like, no, this is a good thing and a skill and you should be embracing it and using it towards something. So that was, I think, when the fire really got burning of like, oh, comedy is a thing and you're allowed to do it. And it's good. If you can be funny, it's good. It's not that you're just being a nuisance or a dickhead. It could be a good life skill. So I would say that. That was eye-opening. How about you? It seems that that fire has burned down the house. Now, for me, what, I uh -huh. never, uh, you know, the fire of your comedy has burned down the house of our laughs. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. What's your, what's your deal? Well, I never needed an outside mentor, like a drama teacher or even a music teacher. I was self-taught. Can you believe that? No? Uh, yeah. You can believe that. Well, that's probably because you see my winning spirit and can tell that I'm indomitable, you know? Uh, my story is so, so intricate. That's what I wrote my book about, which I am starting to think you didn't read, even though I read Lose Well and both the other ones. I tell you, I got an envelope in the mail. Mm -hmm. I think it may have at one point contained your book, the envelope, by the time I got it, it was empty and ravaged by an animal. See? I assume a dog, but it had been completely ravaged. So this kept happening because what we did was we mailed out all these copies and we covered them in peanut butter because we wanted people to be excited about the book. Because what is more exciting than peanut butter? I would love that. If someone gave me a book and it was stuck together, the pages were stuck together with a layer of delicious peanut butter. And we really, we really, we chose Jif because choosy moms choose it. And we thought, well, we're not better than moms, are we? We young artists. And uh, a lot of dogs were fed in the process. They love that peanut butter. but. I don't want to read the whole book to you. I don't want to spoil it because I'm assuming you're going to rush right after this interview to read it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But basically I, uh, in high school, I did a little battle of the bands with my friend Edward. Not a fan of him anymore. And I ended up losing, even though I basically won because I played beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Do you know that song? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, um, do you want me to? If you don't mind, yeah. yeah. Every day, talk to my friend Chris about his book. It's called Lose Well. And then he says, 
I was on Space Force, but we didn't go to space. Cause we Words just... can bring me down. Yes, no, I do. I recognize you do. that one. Yeah. Re- I recognize it, of, yeah. I tried to make it appeal to you. Yeah, I was finding it very hard to place because the lyrics are totally different. But yeah, I do know that song. Well, I Thank you for the reminder. I don't do covers. Do you ever do covers in your comedy? I don't think. I think that's, well, you know, in comedy, I think that's just known as theft. Mm. It's just joke stealing. Mm. People don't generally cover each other's work. Don't like that. No, it's like those. I would dogs. love if someone covered my, you know, most of my on, most of my stand-up act is like personal stories from my life. So I'd love to see someone else tell word-for-word stories from my life. I think that would be pretty fun. Well, you're going to be very excited because my next project is called Career Suicide, the musical without the music written down. Ooh. Uh, basically yes taking your hbo special career Mm -hmm. suicide and i've put it to song but i haven't written any of it down it'll all be from memory things might get changed little facts here or there but i I can't wait to hear that what is judd apatow's phone number i would say judd apatow's phone number is uh very hard to attain hmm Well, another hurdle that I'll surely cross. Chris, it's been so nice of you. What what is some advice you could give someone who's not as talented as me if they wanted to become a songwriter like me? Huh. Uh, I guess what I would say is that, you know, work on your craft, Mm. get better over time, and understand that perseverance is as much of a talent as anything else. And that if you're able to persevere through the intimidation and, and the way that it feels like such an uphill climb, there's a lot of people who are immensely talented who won't be able to persevere because that's its own skill. But if you can persevere, it gives you more breathing room and time to develop that talent. So get there. I also have to say, it, it feel, I've been a little confused throughout the duration of this interview and i'm starting to feel like most of it was just you slowly ramping up to asking me for judd apatow's phone number well look i was so honored to speak with you but also what is a conversation if not a means to an end well at least you're at least you're that blunt about it i guess Ah, i appreciate that james blunt remember him Uh, not as good as me he well, he did the. Uh, saying, uh, you're beautiful. Was the beautiful, song. Yes. beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. That. You know, he started that song with one lyric I do like. He said, "My life is brilliant," and I think that's a good way to start a song for a man who's not insane. You know, just my life is brilliant. That's the kind of thing you say. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Chris, I want to do one more thing before I let you go and start finding that phone number in your phone book so you can send it to me off air. Why don't you give me the name to a song and I'll write it for you and then you can tell me how much you love it. So a song that has not been written yet. No, a song I'm about to write in front of your eyes because this is my spectacular songwriting challenge. Okay, this is great. I love this. It's participatory, it's interactive. It makes me feel included. Thank you for that. I want to hear a song called Return to the Scene of the Crime. Ah, yes. Return to the Scene of the Crime. I can hear it now. 
some mysteries aren't unsolved. The police figure them out in time. It's because the perpetrators make that one mistake and they return to the scene of the crime. Give me Judd Apatow's phone number, please. I want to be on HBO. Please? What do you think? That's, uh, that's wild that you came up with all that right off the top of the dome. Yes. Did you, Good job. Did you catch the hidden message? Um, the part about how criminals return. To the and, uh, that, that's the kind of the, the front text, but the subtext was a subtle request. It's the part where you belt it out once again that you'd like Judd Apatow's phone number? There can't just be one king of Staten Island. I'd like to be the second. Yeah, you know, I, Judd's been very nice to me over the years, but I can't, I can't really say that I'm in a place where I can just hand out his, his, contact, his contact info. I think that that would be a little out of, a little out of line. Well, you've broken my heart twice today. Via the same thing? Me and not giving you a powerful man's contact info? Well, no, the first time was when you, you know, ruined Space Force for me. And the second time was when you didn't uh, let me network. I'm really sorry. You know, most of the times when I agree to, you know, do an interview, the last thing I want is to break someone's heart twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's my bet on that. And I read your Vulture interview. I think the same thing happened. You think I really broke people's hearts in the Vulture interview? Oh, yes. I could read the tears off the page. Yeah, I guess I, I just try to show up for an interview and try to just be, you know, kind of pleasant and affable and roll with the punches and look for some laughs, be honest. But I didn't mean to, you know, you know that anything you've seen on TV or movies in space is not really in space. You know that, right? What about gravity? Yeah, that was, it's all, it's all Hollywood. I've got some, some real soul searching to do. They were like probably on a soundstage in Sherman Oaks or something like that. Chris, do you have anything to promote? Uh, you mentioned my podcast, Beautiful Anonymous. I thank you for that. And um, I think that's about it. I think that's the bulk of what I got, got going. Oh, Planet Scum. Ah, it's like yes. a twi- it's like a Twitch thing that I built where a bunch of different comedians are all using it. It's been quite fun. Very so good. those are some things. Do you have anything you want to plug? Just my album and my book. But first of all, just check out this feed, which is my spectacular life. Chris, one more You're time. Plugging please. this project on its own feed. I think that's Did you the just only plug this show? To get on this show. To listen more is if you plug it while you're doing it. Wow, you are bold and you've got some innovative ideas. And I'll be taking those ideas to the top. Good night. <laughs>